You are listening to the Divorced Christian Podcast Show with your host and teacher, Darius Good. He is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center and founder of Good Treasure Ministries. He is the author of the books, Unlocking Godly Wisdom and The Divorced Christian. For more information, visit the website at thedivorcedchristian.com. And now here's your host, Darius Good. Welcome to another episode of the Divorced Christian Podcast Show. Thank you for joining us. My name is Darius Good. I'm the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center which is located in Connecticut. Visit my website when you get a chance, DariusGood.com or TheDivorcedChristian.com, which is also on my website. Uh, There you'll learn information regarding the book that I've written on this particular subject of divorce. I do have other books that I've written, but I took a hard look at the subject of divorce and I was blown away by the amount of information that I've never heard taught um, and also seems to be very unfamiliar with many pastors and many Christians. And so uh, in doing so, it's been a long, uh, I want to say about a two year process of me learning about the laws of Moses, of learning about the laws pertaining to marriage and divorce that is a part of that culture. And in doing so, uh, it completely changed my understanding of Jesus's teachings and where I find fault with a lot of teachings on the subject of divorce, mostly because of their ignorance. And so when you don't understand the laws, you don't understand the culture, people tend to make up information to make it make sense. But what ends up happening is there are many holes in the argument. And so I encourage you to go back, visit my website, thedivorcedchristian.com. At the bottom of the website, you'll find a bunch of links And these links are connected to where I'm getting uh, my information from. There are several rabbis I I talk with. There are several websites that I use that provides information on Judaism. Because Judaism is the foundation of Christianity. And if we don't understand the Old Testament, then we will not understand the New. And so, um, we've been looking at Romans chapter 7 for the last two episodes This is episode three. And so today's episode is episode 40. And it's entitled, Can Divorced Christians Remarry? And we're looking at Romans chapter seven. This is part three of this teaching. And in the last two episodes, we covered um, the theory that Jesus was creating a new law in regards to divorce. And this is what Paul was referring to In Romans chapter 7, verse 1. So I'm going to hit that point very quickly. We're also going to cover the point that Paul was making. And then we're going to look at the law of Moses and see if there's a contradiction with what Paul is saying here in verse 2. Romans chapter 7, verse 2. So let's begin with this. The theory that, and I'm going to go through this quickly because we spent more time on this in our previous episodes. So go back, listen to episode uh, part one. This will be episode 38, part one, part nine. I'm sorry, part two is episode 39. And today I hope to do the conclusion so that we can resolve this issue of what Paul is saying in Romans chapter seven, verse two. So beginning at verse one, Romans seven, one, know ye not brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, 
how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. And so the theory has been that Paul is now going to teach the law of Christ and his new teachings that he's established as Christ in the earth because he came to fix and correct the law of Moses. The problem with that theory is reading this in context, then there will be a new law that Jesus establishes in verse one. And then when we get down to verse four, where it says we have become dead to the law, then the argument is now he's talking about the law of Moses. But Paul consistently talks about the law, referring to the law of Moses throughout the book of Romans. One example, Romans chapter two, verse 12, for as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. And then he talks about for not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves. Verse 15, which show the law or show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness in their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. And then Paul goes into this explanation of how Jews are condemned by the law. He's not talking about the law of Jesus. He's talking about the law of Moses. So consistently throughout the book of Romans, when he talks about the law, he's referring to the law of Moses. We're not dead to the laws of Christ, Romans chapter 7. We're not dead to the laws of Christ. But through salvation, we are dead to the laws of Moses. And this is what he's explaining in Romans chapter 7, verse 1, and also when you jump down to verse 4. Where, wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. Through Jesus' death, we became dead to the law. That's the law of Moses. So that means in verse 2 and 3, he's also talking about the law of Moses. So in verse 1, let's read through it again. Romans 7, 1. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. And then he's going to give an example using the example of marriage. He doesn't have to use that, that example, but he chooses to. And then he concludes his point at verse four. And so what we've done is we've taken verse two and three, and we've built a doctrine stating that this is New Testament laws as Jesus has established it for the church. And I'm saying it's not true. Paul is referring to the law of Moses. So now, if he's referring to the law, where is this law found? So let's re read Romans 7, verse 2 and 3, and then we're going to go to the Old Testament to find this law written in the Torah. So at verse 2, the woman which hath a husband is bound by law to her husband so long as he is alive, long, as long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she's loose from the law of her husband. Verse 3, so then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress, 
But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. And so they've taken these two verses and they state that that you can only remarry once your spouse dies. That's the conclusion that's been drawn. Now, um, we're going to look at the law of Moses in a second, but they drew this conclusion because these are not Jews that drew the conclusion. They don't understand the law of Moses, and they also don't understand how the law is interpreted. The fact that Paul refers to an adulteress now means that you're talking about the law of Moses as it refers to the crime of adultery. And most Christians are not familiar with those laws. So number one, if a woman was guilty of the crime of adultery, and I say a woman because the way the law was written, it only referred to a married woman. So a single woman, a divorced woman, a widowed woman, they could not be guilty of the crime of adultery because they do not have a marriage contract. They do not have a binding ketubah. So that's what set a married woman apart from other women. So the crime of adultery can only be committed by a married woman. But adultery, if you're found guilty of the crime of adultery, you cannot remarry. They were stoned to death, according to the law of Moses. But there is another law that pertains to an adulteress. Now, one of the problems is you can't really find this law as stated in the scriptures, not just not just blatantly stated. But the law of Moses explains in Deuteronomy 23, talks about the bastard. The actual term is mamzer. So a bastard shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord, even to his 10th generation, shall he not enter into the congregation of the Lord. That is really the law of Moses as it pertains to an adulterous marriage. What is a bastard? Well, according to Christian standards and according to uh, the laws of England and the laws of America, we have given that term or uh, explained that term in relation to a man and a woman that has a child outside of wedlock. That is not how bastard or a mamzer is viewed in the eyes of Judaism. In the eyes of Judaism, if a child is born to a Jewish mother, then that child is a Jew. That's how they view it. So they're not illegitimate. And if you want a biblical, a Bible example of that, we have Paul as he is talking to Timothy. And he lets him know that his mother raised him in the faith, even though he had a Gentile father. So he views him more as a Jew than as a Gentile. And this is the mindset of Judaism. This is the mindset of of uh, Jews, not only then during the time of Jesus or during the time of even Moses. But this is how they view it today. That's how they view their faith. So they don't view it as wedlock in that sense. So there's only one way or really two types of marriages in which a child could end up the status of a bastard. The one was the ancestral relationship 
where uh, a man, and we have this list found in Leviticus chapter 18, we have a long list of what Moses describes as ancestral relationships. If a child is born out of this sort of marriage between uh, uh, kinship between husband, uh, father and mother, then the child would receive this status of mamzer and then they would lose their inheritance. All this is about inheritance. The second type of marriage, because we're talking about illegitimate children, the second type of marriage in which a child is now labeled illegitimate was in the case of an adulterous marriage. And that's defined as a woman who is given leave by the court to remarry because the idea is that the husband died. So she has to receive proof by the witness of two or three to corroborate the story that her husband died. And in doing so, uh, she receives what she's supposed to receive through her ketubah because the marriage agreement states what she will receive in a divorce and also in case of the death of the husband. So now the ketubah has been satisfied. The court grants her freedom to enter into a second marriage. She now signs a second ketubah, the second marriage agreement. She marries a second man. They produce children, and now the first husband returns, at which point her first ketubah is still viewed as legal and binding. So now the woman takes on the status of an adulteress. Her husband, second husband, takes on the status of an adulterer and the children are now labeled illegitimate and they cannot receive inheritance from their father because it was an illegitimate marriage. That's the only definition of an adulteress according to Judaism. And this is what Paul is thinking and explaining in Romans chapter seven, verse two and three, because he's talking to those that know the law. So now at verse three, if while her husband is alive, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. That is only possible because the woman's ketubah has been satisfied. A priest would never marry a woman who has a ketubah already in place. So the only way such a relationship would occur was that that ketubah was satisfied and her husband was labeled as dead or mislabeled as being dead. So now thinking the husband is dead, she has permission to enter into a second marriage. The priest, if the woman was divorced, would not remarry her unless she produced her get. And the only way she received her get was at the divorce settlement. So they had to go to court. She would give her ketubah to the husband. The husband would then get the get from the scribe who wrote the get in place of the husband he represents the husband in court. He writes the get, gives it to the husband, and then the husband places it in the woman's hand as explained in Deuteronomy chapter 24. So these are the only two ways a woman, uh, a children could end up illegitimate. And what I just described is the only way a woman could have the status of an adulteress in the nation of Israel. So let's go back to the law, because I'm going to show you in the law. And we looked at this on last week, where the law explains about the death of the husband. So in Deuteronomy chapter 24, at verse 3, Moses is describing a situation. A woman has entered into a second marriage. So her second husband is called the latter husband. 
So verse three, if the latter husband hates her and write her a bill of divorcement and gives it in her hand and sends her out of her out of his house or or if the latter husband dies, which took her to be his wife at verse four, it explains that the former husband, which divorced her and sent her away, may not take her again to be his wife. After that, she is defiled. So there's a lot to this law that Moses put in place. But once the woman was divorced from the first husband, she could not return to return to the first husband if she has married a second man and consummated the relationship. He, the first husband would be defiled. So through this law, we understand that divorce and also death brought a marriage to an end. Moses wrote, this, wrote it this way because these are the laws for their nation. This is how their court system was governed. These laws determine not just uh, religious laws, but their civil law is also part of their religious laws. They only have one law for the nation of Israel that was given to them on Mount Sinai. So with this being said, if, if I'm correct, if Pastor Darius is correct, that Paul is pointing to the law of Moses, Deuteronomy 24, and stating that in the death of the husband, she can remarry. And there's no contradiction in what Paul is stating in Romans chapter 7. So I'm going to point out today what we've been missing in this particular verse, because Paul is not stating something contrary to the law of Moses. I remember as a child, I would hear these sermons um, not from my father, but from other ministers. And they would talk about uh, the different Greek words. And so I would hear these sermons on the different words for love. And they would give sermons on the eight Greek words for love. And of course, the last one would be agape love, the unconditional, the sacrificial love. And of course, we talk about Jesus Christ and then we would have our benediction and our call to salvation come to the altar. Well, my question to you is, how many Greek words are there for dead? We've never bothered to look this word up. And so if you look up this word dead in Romans chapter 7, verse 2, the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, what is the Greek word for this word dead? This word is apophnesco or something along those lines. If you look it up in the Greek, it is the number 599. Now, if you look this word up, what you realize is the definition is to die. It means of a natural death of a man or the violent death of an animal. It means to perish by means of something. But what I want to highlight is if you look at the Strong's definition, this word means to die off literally or figuratively, literally or figuratively. So this word can be used for a literal death, but this word can also be used for a figurative death. Now, this is what's interesting. Let's go through the scriptures. And whenever Paul talks about 
Jesus. Right, let me just find a, a random example, right? So let's go down to verse four, same chapter. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye shall be married to another, even to him. So we're married to Christ who is raised from the dead. This word dead, Jesus died a physical death. He was raised from the dead. This word dead is necros. This number is three, four, nine, eight. And it means one that has breathed his last uh, lifeless, deceased, departed, one whose soul is in heaven or in hell. Let me give you a bunch of examples. So in Matthew 8, 22, Jesus said unto him, follow me, let the dead bury the dead. Let the necros bury the necros. Acts 5, verse 10, then fell she uh, Sapphira, she fell down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young men ca came in and found her dead, necros, and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. Romans 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, necros, thou shalt be saved. This is not the same word, same Greek word Paul uses in Romans 7, verse 2. That word is apothnesco. The woman hath, which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, apothnesco, she is loosed from the law of her husband. If I'm right... With this theory, then that means there should be some examples of this word being used in a way where it confers that the person is not physically dead. So we understand that it can be used to mean physical death, but it's also used in a way in which it does not imply physical death. I'm going to give you a couple examples in which this word clearly is not talking about someone that's deceased. In Romans chapter six, verse two, God forbid, how shall we that are dead, apothnesco, to sin, we're dead to sin, live any longer therein. So clearly we're still alive, but there's people that are physically alive that are living in sin. We're supposed to be dead to sin, apothnesco, to sin. Romans 6, 8. Now, if ye be dead with Christ, apothnesco, we believe that we shall also live with him. Colossians 3, verse 3. If ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God, apothnesco. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 31. I protest, this is Paul talking, by your rejoicing which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord, I die daily. Paul did not die physically every single day. This is figurative, figurative death. And so I just gave you four examples in the scripture where Paul uses this particular word, and it does not mean physical death.
And so it's the appropriate word because whether the husband or the marriage came to an end by physical death or by divorce, then the marriage has come to an end. And that's according to the law of Judaism. I use a website called JewishVirtualLibrary.org. There's a term, Aguna, A-G-U-N-A-H. We should be familiar with this term at this point. This term is used to describe a Jewish woman who cannot get out of her marriage because she has not been divorced and her husband is still alive and she has no proof of his death. And so she basically dies Aguna, a chain woman until the end of her days. She has no legal recourse in order to break the marriage off. She could not legally divorce her husband or initiate the divorce. So in Judaism, you cannot get divorced for abandonment. And their law, the halakha, which means the law, which is the law of Moses, the way they explain it according to the law, this is the interpretation of the law of Moses. The halakha prescribes that a marriage can only be dissolved by divorce or the death of either spouse. Paul using this word dead in this case, literally or figuratively being dead, the husband being dead through a physical death or being dead figuratively through a divorce. This, according to the law, is what freed a woman from her marriage. She did not have to wait until her husband died to remarry. As Paul said, I'm talking to those that know the law. Paul did not contradict the law of Moses. Thank you for joining us on today. If you're listening by radio, tune in next week, same time. If you're listening by podcast show, remember to like, share, please share and subscribe. And until next time, be blessed. You've been listening to the Divorced Christian Podcast Show with your host, Darius Good. This was a Good Treasure Ministries production. Darius is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center, and he is the author of the book, The Divorced Christian. To learn more about this book and other books written by Darius, or to listen to other episodes of our podcast show, visit our website today at thedivorcedchristian.com. We pray that today's episode has brought revelation, understanding, and healing. Please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast show. And until next time, be blessed.